You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's pay-per-view after show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's pay-per-view after show. We are live with a special weekday edition of After Buzz UFC. I'm Daria Baronado, filling in for Chris Claus. And we're here with a special guest today, Bruce Buffer, the voice of the Octagon, the veteran voice of the Octagon. Mm-hmm. All right, and we're also here to discuss the uh, Eric Silva-Matt Brown fight that is considered a contender of fight of the year so far. Jay, Absolutely. Yeah. what do you have for us about that? Um, well, there was uh, UFC on, uh, sorry, not on Fox, UFC... Fox Sports Fox 1. Sports Fox Sports 1. 1, excuse uh-huh. me. Thank well, you. Well, first, um, that would be Jay, George, and I am Raven. Hello. <laughs> that, Hello. That minor detail out of the way. No, let's get, let's get to the good stuff. Here's the nitty-gritty, right? Um, we've been off for a little bit of a hiatus here for a couple of weeks, yeah. but um, UFC ran a Fox Sports show. And um, it was headlined by uh, by Matt Brown and Eric Silva, emanating out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, I Cincinnati. believe. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Excuse Matt me. Brown's hometown. Yeah, and it was the uh, it was the the breadbasket there, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, another fantastic show. A lot of uh, a lot of names that a lot of people won't be necessarily familiar with, but some great action. Uh, and it culminated in Brown and Silva, a uh, a three round war scheduled for five, but Matt Brown was able to uh, to finish Silva in uh, in round three with a TKO, really nasty one too. Um, the first round itself, I mean, the, from from the get go, that match was just all fireworks and didn't let up at all. Uh, the first round, a lot of people were saying, is the best first round of of 2014 that they've seen, and yeah, the match itself, absolutely. Uh, match of the year contender. Uh, it started out with uh, with Silva, with Brown really being aggressive, but Silva getting him to the ground uh, and threatening submission uh, by getting his back and a couple mm-hmm. other a uh, couple other positions. But just a lot of scrambling and uh, and and action. Uh, Brown was able to survive that after uh, it was a knockdown. And yeah, it was an absolute knockdown. It was actually a, a triangle lock takedown, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Right, Brown and was almost finished. Early he was in almost the first. finished. I, I thought I was like, oh my god, Eric Silva's going to win this. Yeah, I didn't know the results yet when I watched it, and then I was like. Oh my God! Yeah. After seeing that second round, but he came back. back in the first and challenged a little bit, and uh, just towards the end of it, and then the second round. I mean, the first round was so close. This is very unconventional thinking, but I almost scored it a ten ten. I thought that practically no guy lost in that one. Normally, right. you, at the end of the match, you figure out who's the guy that did less or won less than the other guy, are and you, that guy gets a nine. Are you giving him points for surviving such a beating? Uh, I'm giving points Brown for uh, to Brown for surviving the beating and then coming back as he did and threatening. But okay. Silva was really close to finishing Brown a couple of times uh, in that first round. Right. And then after that, on, on top of all that, you see Brown come out and really just dominate Silva completely on the ground and on the feet. Uh, he had him in the crucifix at one point and was throwing right. elbows to the face. I thought that was going to get, fin- uh, it was going to get finished mm-hmm. at that point as well. Um, 
we're sitting here talking with Bruce, and again, unconventional scoring. I almost would have given that a 10-8 to Brown. He was that dominant. Let's see what Bruce thinks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do agree on all counts, and the thing is, uh, I was mentioning earlier, is that when you look at Eric Silva, he's used to coming out and he's used to dominating. He's used to winning in the first round. He's used to doing his somersault and all his showmanship for the crowd. Mm-hmm. And this confidence level is fantastic. But you got to realize the opponent you're going up against, and in this case, he was facing the most dangerous Wolverine wounded opponent that he could possibly imagine. I don't know if he really realized in his head the type of personality that he was uh, facing. It's one thing to face somebody and, and realize their talents, but realize their heart and their mind. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. it's one thing to face a Danny Henderson, right. who is still going to come at you even with one arm. Yeah. And versus another person I could name that will maybe not come at you at that point and back off. Right. So with Matt Brown and his whole background, I mean, he's he's an ex-drug addict. His whole background story is amazing. Here he comes in as an amazing athlete, dominating this young Brazilian warrior that's like the golden boy, right. yeah. you know, that everybody's thinking about. And he still is. There's no question. Mm-hmm. But this loss for Eric Silva is one that's a very good thing for him to have. Yeah. Because the benefit of losing a fight the benefit of having a championship mentality is to learn from the fight. This fight is going to teach him key aspects, and he's going to sit down and look in the mirror and say, hey, do I have what it takes to continue, or is this taking it out of me? It's he's got like a question to answer right. himself here. Just He'll like come how back. He'll come back. John Jones was tested in the Gustafson fight, and people, I mean, he, he realized that he could last in a dogfight and had it in him. Tested beyond belief, and mm-hmm. uh, this is an amazing, um, not resurgence, but an amazing upcoming for Matt Brown, who I've realized uh, for a period of time now is a devastating uh, fighter. And he's one of right. my favorite fighters to watch. I'm an old street fighter kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So I love when I see fighters come in that I know that they've banged in the streets. They've been in the nitty-gritty. Right. Now mm-hmm. they train and they're in the professional world of uh-huh. fighting. And their whole background is one of a, just a grainy, don't even... Ch- Try to see me in an alley, buddy, because that's my world. Right. You know? He's I been love through that. a lot in his life. Oh, yeah. and he has. Kind of like, you know, I also think when you see a, a guy from the military go into the UFC, you know, like Tim Kennedy or Stan, those guys have seen some real wars. You know, fighting in a cage doesn't scare them. And by the same token, I think Matt Brown has seen, been through a lot, and fighting in a cage is, is just a sport. It's something he can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's certain people like Chuck Liddell, like Matt Brown, uh, these people, they just love to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck Liddell, if you told him, hey, we can't afford to pay you, can you still fight? He'd be like, sure. Fine. I'll <laughs> yeah. fight. I've, I've been in a couple of street situations with Chuck, like that famous brawl in London with, with Tito and Lee Murray and, oh, yeah. and all. And I backed up Chuck in that one. It was like watching the Terminator. Hmm. I mean, this guy, just his whole love of fighting. I see that in Matt Brown. Hmm. And I love okay. that. There are real fighters, yeah. and there's fighters that have talent to fight for the money, and there's fighters who just love to fight. I think it's Matt's time right now. Um, he, for those that don't know, Matt Brown was a uh, contestant on the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. several several years ago. He's been in the UFC uh, after that for quite some time, mm-hmm. and in his first few matches after uh, being on the Ultimate Fighter, we had a mixed bag: uh, some submission losses, uh, but also a lot of wins as well. But since then, I believe. Seven uh, seven match. He's on a seven match win seven streak, or eight I believe. Match yeah. win streak with uh, six TKO or KO finishes. And this was a guy that a lot of people talked about as uh, as a great submission ground guy. And certainly he's got those skills, but he's really on a roll. I think he's coming into his own. Yeah. Well, he's got those skills, but he prides himself on the quote that I title him as: mm. as a technical brawler. 
That's how okay. your, his style is written on the sheet. Yeah. Technical brawler. Okay, wow. that's who he is in his heart. He does have skills, and he displayed those skills. And his yeah. skills keep getting more of a skill set every time I see him fight. He could be a champion. He has a shot. Mm-hmm. Dana White said in in the post fight interview in pre- post fight press conference that. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio is no longer Rich Franklin's town. It's now Matt Brown's town. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, no, that was... Love Rich. Great guy. Right. Um, legendary in his own right. It's Matt Brown territory yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Matt Brown's the local hero. He's walking down the street. He's not paying for any beers for the next five years. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big praise, I thought, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the guys got heart, too, because I haven't seen that many people come back from that body shot in the first round. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I asked him about that when I got in the octagon because I thought he cracked a rib. And he's okay. a he's a no buff. Just my stomach. He goes, hey, just my my stomach. Because I know from from my own experience, when you punch a guy in the stomach, one of the key things is to punch down and up. You mm-hmm. know, right. kind of compress that stomach. Okay, it definitely has an effect. And I think he just he just mm. was dealing with that. It was that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he kind of got hit. Like he kind of got hit again later in that first round. And again, I thought I thought he was done. But little did I know, the guy's got huge heart. And Tremendous. I think it was a combination of Silva kind of not being able to be like finish. So it kind of did hit him in the second and third round to the point where I think he was more running away. And yeah. Matt was just pretty much chasing him to the point where... Right. The, the psychological the edge uh, oh, kind of lost the momentum. A lot mental, when Matt I think. I'll tell you right now, though, knowing Dana, because um, Dana got in the octagon, we looked at each other like, wow, like <laughs> that. Dana's all, you know, all animated. That's Dana's kind of fighter. I'm, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's a huge Matt Brown fan. Already has, oh, yeah. but I'm sure he's a huge Matt Brown fan. Dana White always yeah. always says how much he he loves the brawlers. Just get out there and fight, finish it. Exactly. You know, don't wait, don't wait for it to come to decision. Then it's your fault if you lose you know, that type of thing. He it's always better to lose a great fight than win a bad one. And, yeah. You know, speaking of Silva, points. but both yeah. those guys, yeah, I think both those guys right. still gain points. Silva, yeah. Silva gained points, but you can see got to work on his cardio a little mm-hmm. more. Uh-huh. Got to work on you know, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. that's the evolution of the fighter yeah. mentally. Yeah. You got to know how to take a loss yeah. to come back from it. And this is, I think this will be a good loss for him if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. It's like business. You don't know how to succeed until you know what it's like to fail. I mean, you got to taste these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Having that said that, we've already got our guy uh, in studio and had a, a decent amount. Excuse me. Is there a, a note? I just wanted to promote our Twitter This just quick. in, folks. <laughs> this just in. Just in. <laughs> For all the people listening, I wanted you to follow AfterBuzzTV on Twitter. The handle is at AfterBuzzTV. Again, that's at AfterBuzzTV. Twitter is very interactive, so give us a follow. Yeah, likewise awesome. to that end also, um, the mobile app, the AfterBuzz mobile app is out. It's available on iTunes and uh, or the App Store, rather. Um, you can now watch all your shows right uh, right in the palm of your hand, your iPad, your laptop. Um, no, that's the other one, the phone. Sorry, <laughs> that's the palm of your hand. Go down, uh, go and uh, download it, and you'll be able to watch this show and many others wherever you want, whenever you want. Awesome. So having said all of that now, a proper uh, proper introduction. The veteran voice of the Octagon, Bruce Buffer. Um, he has uh, he's been around, I believe, since UFC eight, more or less. I uh, my first one, right? I, first one I attended was UFC six in Casper, Wyoming, when okay. I had my brother Michael announced mm-hmm. the fight. I managed his career, and my first UFC was UFC eight That's in what, okay. Puerto Rico, which I didn't go there to announce. Mm-hmm. Really, I actually man, I, I was trying to figure out how to get the job as the octagon announcer. I knew from my okay. experience in martial arts and my own fighting experience that I, this was my world. If I was going to right. announce, this is where I wanted to be. This is where my passion took off. So they didn't hire me just because I said, "Look, you know, you need a buffer in the octagon." I told them, "I said I'll help you build the sport. I got the media contacts, this, that, and the other." Fell on dead ears. So I'm thinking, how can I get this job? 
And, and I truly believe that if you want a job, you have to ask for the job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I managed a fighter on purpose named Scott the Pitbull Ferrato, mm-hmm. a 340-pound monster mm-hmm. out of Minnesota. I uh, went down to fight the tournament. I, as his manager, flew down with him. I called the owner. I said, look, I'm bringing down my tux. It's in my luggage. Let me Give me a shot. Let me announce the prelim. Show you, show you what I got. You know what I bring to the table. I'll help you build the sport more than just be your announcer, but I have to be the announcer to make this happen mm-hmm. because that'll keep my passion and energy flowing. Gave me a shot. Um, then I thought I did a good job. They didn't hire me. Uh, then they called hmm. me about six months later. I was in the hospital with my mom, who just had a serious operation. And my phone rings, and it's like, can you be in Birmingham, Alabama in two days? We need you to announce UFC 10. Wow. We need you to be there. And I look at my mom, and it's like they just cut her wide open. And she looks at me, and she goes, what was that? I said, Mom, they want me to go down to do the UFC. And she's it was like Talia Shire in a Rocky movie. Yeah. You know, where he won't train. Right. And then she looks up. She goes, look, my mom, my mom was like this. She goes, Go, you gotta go. Right? <laughs> I start hearing wow. dun dun da da dun da dun da dun. And I'm just, I'm like, wow, I run down there, I do the show, thought I did a good job. They don't hire me, they hire somebody else. Huh. Now I'm stopping in New York, their offices, take them out for drinks, any kind of schmoozing I can do, telling the whys and wherefores of why I should be there. And then they called me and they said, uh, um, listen, their friends is doing a show called The Ultimate Fighting Champion. Right? right? They would like you to, to co-star as yourself as the announcer, Warner Brothers. Hmm. So would you like to do that? Uh, let me think for a millisecond. Of course I'd like to do it. But I need to talk to you on the set. So on the set, on the first day of rehearsal, I met with Robert Meyerowitz, the owner, before Dana White was the owner, and the Fertitta brothers. And I said, look, I feel like a girl waiting for a date to the prom. It's been a year and a half. This is it. I'm never going to approach you again. If you don't realize what I can do for you, my announcing will grow. I'll come into my own. I'll build that up. But if you don't realize the kind of partner I could be for you to help build this sport, then you don't realize it. I'm never going to ask you again. Let's make a deal. Best poker hand I ever played in my life. <laughs> oh, Best my God. Hand. We're going to talk about that yeah. as well. What a story. I feel like I haven't done justice to your intro. As you've already figured out by now, he is one of the most iconic uh, names and voices and faces with the UFC. Uh, he is Bruce Buffer, poker fanatic and uh, perennial uh, and, and permanent in, in ring announcer, excuse me, for uh, for the UFC, and on top of that, he's the birthday boy today. Ah, oh, thank you. Ah, are we ready? Are we ready? Oh, You're we're ready. ready. Come on, in English. Oh, we're ready. Happy oh. birthday to you. Oh my God. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bruce. Happy birthday to you. That, Any chance I can get some pointers or uh, be your apprentice I, I, I after this? I was this? thinking about three of them as you were finishing the U, but that's okay. <laughs> but it all kidding aside, um, I've had a wonderful birthday, the HBO thing last night, being with my family, my loved ones, and now that, guys, thank you. This is lovely. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. We like to, we like to make our guests feel at home here. And you got my favorite color, money green. That's good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I mean, talk to us about uh, the book itself, the the career, the, the HBO piece just ran, and it talked about your relationship with uh, Michael and right. a really interesting way of connecting, reconnecting with your family, as well as finding this this uh, this great illustrious career of yours. Yes, it's uh, it, you know the book is three hundred pages, and I could have filled a thousand without all the things going through. I'm sure the next one will be called "It's Time Again" or something. <laughs> um, you know, I, I blew my knee in the octagon. Uh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was uh, George St. Pierre's fight against um, 
Jake Shields, the biggest UFC in history, mm-hmm. Toronto, 55,000 people, sold out in less than 10 hours. And I'm building up for this big event. Every event to me is my first event. I don't live on my laurels. You know, I always look mm-hmm. at, okay, I'm only mm-hmm. as good as I am today. And that's just my attitude. Mm-hmm. So I'm training and I train hard. You know, I train for these things. I want to be in good shape. I want to be able to be my athletic self. But I play a lot of poker. And the week before the, the event, I was at a poker tournament at Hustler here in LA. Mm-hmm. And I was doing great in the tournament. And during a break, I hit a dip in the carpet and rolled my right ankle. And the next morning mm. I woke up, it was swollen and blue, and I had to go to the hospital, and they pulled a bunch of blood out of it. I couldn't stand on it. I went back and got third in the tournament and won a ton of money, which was great. But I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at my ankle thinking, this is the biggest UFC coming up on Saturday. I can't even stand on my legs, right? I couldn't even stand on my foot three days before oh, the event. God. Finally, I could stand. My adrenaline pumps that night. I get in, go through the whole show. Going to introduce George St. Pierre, go out, I do as the fans like to call it, the buffer 180 and, and the It's Time, got air on It's Time and did a jumping 180 turn in the red corner and now I'm going, George, rush. And as I do the rush, George always likes to lunge out and I know this. So he lunges and I bunny hop what I call back right. and then I let it go, right? Mm. Well, when I bunny hop back, my bad ankle wobbled, my whole knee blew. Oh. I severed the ACL. I tore the meniscus in three places. You can see it on the tape. My leg's not even working. And it was like, George, rush, St. Pierre! You know, like, ah! you know, like, as, as I'm severing my knee, I'm St. Pierre. It's like, you got the best Pierre or the most... I saw the video clip of that. I did. Yeah. You, it didn't look like you wobbled until you were on your way out. So you did. Yeah. You, you covered that well. Well, what happened was is that when I landed, my knee clicked. Right. And then when I went over to Herb Dean to put the microphone underneath his arm, my knee was going like this. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I've got my face on, you know. And inside, I'm going, we're on cable, right? <laughs> yeah. But inside, I'm going, you son of a bitch. You just blew your knee. Like, what did you do? You know, oh, I'm, my I'm smiling. God. So I get, out, I get out of the – was I able to say that? You're, no, you're fine. We're oh, on the okay, internet. Sorry. You said it now. I'm yelling at myself. <laughs> There's that too. So I get out and, and uh, Stitch, the great cut man, he comes over. He puts ice on me and John McCarthy goes, Buff, I think you blew your ACL. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what is wrong with this picture? These two great warriors are fighting. Right. And the announcer's sitting here with ice on his knee. Oh, my God. <laughs> so now I go and I see Dr. Elitrosh, the famous doctor who did Tom Brady's knee. And, and he says, you blew your ACL. You got to do this. You got to do that. I go, Doc. I got UFCs for three months. I'm making a movie called Here Comes the Boom. I've got no time. Right. I don't miss UFCs, okay? That's just the way it is. Right. So Marlon Shirley, the Paralympian, uh, with no with no legs, the mm-hmm. runs on the blades, he had his company, Osser, making this incredible brace, which I had emblazoned with the UFC logo. <laughs> and I wore it beneath my pants. And um, I would stand to do a buffer 180 for the next three months. But what you didn't see was I didn't do the full turn. I'm looking at you, and I turned my feet perpendicular mm, to my body sure. okay. so that my body would snap into a 180. And that was how I, I worked it for three months. Then I got operated on. I've got four weeks till i got to be in Philadelphia. Elatros says you need two to three months. I go, don't. i got four weeks. We'll get it done, Bruce. So hmm. I'm in the bed with the machine making my knee go up and down. I'm thinking right. I, I might never be able to announce the same again. Matter of fact, if I have to announce like a stiff announcer with all respect to the other announcers, that's not my style. Yeah. I might retire. Oh my god! So I didn't know if where I was going, to be honest, and that was the emphasis on me starting writing the book. Now it's but that I did make Philadelphia, and I, yeah. I pulled it off, and I didn't miss a show, and I'm very proud about it's that. You have self check been... and dig deep, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to. But you know what? The bottom line is, I'm not fighting. 
These guys are putting their blood, sweat, and tears on the line. I'm announcing. Right. I can do my 23 and a half minutes, okay? I can get it all done. The, mm-hmm. the show must go on. I've done this with 103, 4 degree temperature, blown knee, blown back, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend, whatever. I mean, I've, I've had every, every aspect of what we all go through. Like, we all go through this, but we got to do our jobs. It's a good thing Absolutely. it was the main event and not one of the prelims, huh? Oh, man, if that oh. was a prelim, I don't know. <laughs> I still would have done it, but I probably would have injured my knee much worse because you're yeah. not going to – it's like Dana said. I could have one leg and I'll crawl into that thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm not going to miss a show. Well, I think we've got a video wow. here to uh, show the man's uh, expertise and talent. Uh, Steven in the back, can you roll the clip there? This is the main event of the evening. And now, senores y senores don Brazil and UFC fans watching around the world, live from the sold-out HSBC Arena in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, it is time! <laughs> I love Brazil. They're amazing. Nothing says it better than that. Goosebumps. So, I have a question. <laughs> um, knowing your, your, your brother and how popular he was in, in the boxing world and the boxing industry. Still is. Still is. <laughs> no, he still is. No, he, I, he just did the forum recently. Yeah, I was there with him Saturday night. Great. Yeah. I love the fact the forum's opened up again. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I know his let's get ready to rumble. You know, he, he gets royalties and, you know, he gets paid for saying that. Are you at that level with your UFC catchphrase? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's happening now is, um, you know, I managed and, and helped design Michael's career for the last 20 years. And, Everybody thinks he makes a million dollars every time he says it, and perception is reality. And have I made million-dollar deals for Michael? Yes, I have. But it's like if he made a million dollars every time he said it, he would be one of the richest men in the world Absolutely. doing it at least four to five, eight times a month. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's just add it all up. I was going to say, more 20. so than some of the top fighters. Yeah, yeah, he should be at the cover of Forbes, you know. So it's like, <laughs> but the reality is, is he done well? Yeah, he's done great. I, we, you know, we're very happy with our lives. But the, but the answer to your question, licensing is key. And I was never phrase-driven because I didn't want to be Frank Sinatra Jr. I didn't want to go out and be, oh, I'm going to do what he does. Mm -hmm. It's not what I say to me. It's how I say it. And that's what I put out. Now, it's time grew organically, which in marketing is the greatest thing you want. Right. Because it naturally grows legs of its own. And when people started yelling it back to me, I I realized I needed to trademark this to protect it along with We Are Live. Mm -hmm. And um so I did that, and I've been licensing it. I just did a whole campaign for Renault cars hmm. in Brazil. Uh, they <laughs> cracked me up. Billboards, print ads, wow. TV commercials. Uh, you will see at the end of this year, beginning of next year, I'm coming out with the most amazing uh, MMA social casual game. Nothing like this has ever been done. I've made video games before. I have a top development team in London uh, with, with people that have actually worked on and helped design Grand Theft Auto. Uh, mm. Wow. Call of Duty, work for EA, and I've got this whole team over there. And have you ever gone to Facebook and see Mafia Wars or Farmville? Yeah. I'm creating that for MMA. Really? Yeah. So it's going to be online? Online, Not, online. Okay. You'll be able to interact with fight teams all around the world. Like I have cool. I like that. Ferris on board, American Top Team on board, Mike Ooh. Constantine's AKA. All these are coming in, and by playing the game and playing and competing, you're not doing like an EA video game. You're not. Right. You're not doing... All the battle. It's the career of a fighter, isn't it's it? It's the career of a fighter you build, and you can win. This is nobody's done this. Uh, people are going crazy over this thing we developed called Reach Rewards. Real, they're real rewards. Mm-hmm. So by playing the game, and you can download it for free, and you can right. power up like you do in Farmville, right? 
you earn the right to win prizes. Maybe it's uh, dinner with me in Vegas. Maybe it's tickets to UFC. Maybe it's maybe you get to walk down with your favorite fighter at World Series of Fighting event. Mm. Wow. And you get to walk to the cage. You know how great this is for a fan? We fly yeah, absolutely. You get to walk the experience. Yeah. The ex- nobody does this. No. So I'm giving and creating a totally interactive experience. We can't use UFC fighters because they're all licensed to EA. That's fine. Mm-hmm. There are so many fight teams and fighters out there. We're being contacted by all over the world. Mm-hmm. I've got the Nogueira brothers on board with Josie Aldo and their fight camps down in Brazil. Oh, wow. uh, Kung Lee and, and Chinese fighters you know, coming in over there. Um, it's just going to be an awesome having those teams is what's really cool to me that's the key that's what I knew would be the key that is awesome and then I'm bringing in people even like your show that will become part of the game and and you bring I'll I'll tell you how to make some money with the game (laughs) you too can be on After Buzz TV just play Bruce's game it's called MMA Federation and and you're going to hear a lot MMA Federation follow me on Twitter and and my Facebook you're going to hear all about it when's when's a tentative date well we're looking uh, we just finished the demo which looks amazing um, we're looking at first quarter of next year. I when I made my video games, it sometimes takes two years. If I'm going to do this right, I want to come out with the best game Absolutely. possible. So I'd rather you know nothing more exciting than the impending event. I so always say 2015. You think first quarter? Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> now speaking of gaming, is there anything you play a lot of poker? Mm-hmm. Is there anything similar in your poker tactics and your announcing tactics? Well, the way I like to. Comp- to uh, compare it is, which is an answer to your question the same way, is mm-hmm. I've I've banged around a lot in my life. Right. And I have a fighter's mentality. And I understand fighters. I have a lot of friends who are fighters. My dad, everybody. Growing, I grew up with a man that had probably caused me to get more altercations than any best friend I ever had in my life. So great. with that being said, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> so playing poker, leading life, it comes down to same tactics of mental similarities of fighting. You have to know when to be offensive. You have to know when to be defensive. You have to realize that when you go in in a poker game and you put another man to risk for all his chips because you just put them all in, right. you're at risk also. When you're fighting, you know that when you go in to knock that guy out or submit him, you're at risk also because you're either going to be knocked out or mm-hmm. submitted when you go in for that big, you know, that push decision. Mm-hmm. So I relate everything in my life to my style of fighting, and I I, okay. I do business the way I fight. I lead my life the way I would fight, and that's not hurting people. It's a strong attitude and belief in your ability to win. Mm. So I do apply a lot of those tactics in every okay. aspect of what and I isn't, do. And isn't having a poker face in fighting also important? Because a lot of people say, you hear people say, like, don't show that you're hurt. Well, I, I grew up, as I'm sure a lot of young men did, wanting mm-hmm. to be James Bond. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also had a friend of mine, which I write about in my book, a very famous actor for the last six years of her life that I spent most every day in front of his house surfing and best friends with his son I still am today a gentleman named Steve McQueen oh yeah now we used to call Steve Mr. Cool you look at James Bond especially Sean Connery and it's Mr. Cool Okay, he was be cool Right? Be like water, just like Bruce Lee says, when it fills the cup, mm. become the cup. Right. You know, the less emotion you show, the more cool you are, the better your heart rate, the better your breathing. This is the way it should be when you play poker or when you do okay. business. And then, if I'm going to get excited and I'm going to come in, whether it's in business, love, or life, mm-hmm. you know it. Right? You know when you know when it's there. It's an intensity. But just be cool. Otherwise, you're, you're cool. using too much energy. You might make the wrong decisions. You can become emotional. These are all bad things to do when you're either fighting, doing business, or playing poker. And a lot of that is really based on reading the crowd, right? Reading well, your opponent or who you're engaging absolutely, with. Absolutely, because in poker, I like winning with the worst hand. You play the hmm. player. You don't play the cards. Hmm. I, oh. can, I can put you off a hand, hopefully. Um, 
by playing my stack and, and doing power poker, but I got nothing in my hand. But I realized that over the last two hours sitting across from you, you're going to fold. You're going to fold mentally, and you're going to fold those cards right. when I go after hmm. you. And I'm just waiting for that moment. When the moment happens, so similar to fighting. Hmm? It's it's so similar to fighting Absolutely. mentality. It's that it's that fierce, ferocious mentality like Matt Brown has mm-hmm. when he's coming at you that makes the other guy fold. Yeah. Look, the Godfather said, "Keep your friends close and your enemies closer." Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's always funny seeing when you see a, a fighter take a shot really hard, and he'll smile. And you know, of course, Joe and Goldie right. will talk about. Well, uh, back in the day, at one point, that was oh yeah, that was fine. I could take that, not a problem. You know, he sh- that that poker face. But now it's like no, I just got you there. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. but he doesn't like to get hit in the face. I mean, <laughs> he turns his head. He, you know, and, and listen, I'm sorry, Brock, if you're listening, you want to kick my butt for saying this. But the bottom line is, is that you know, there's some people just don't like to get hit in the face. Mm-hmm. I sparred with Horace Gracie in 1991. I was doing a lot of wow. kickboxing back then, and the famous director who directed Conan and wrote. Apocalypse Now and John Red Millius. Dawn, John Milius, who helped design mm-hmm. the Octagon. He was a personal friend of my, myself and my family's. He calls me and goes, Buff, you've got to come down to this dojo in Torrance and, and train with me. I've been doing this Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I go, John, I've dabbled in Jiu-Jitsu. You've never trained Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Come on, meet mm. me there. I go down to meet him and out comes a skinny 20-year-old kid, you know, voice and, hi, how are you? The way he talks. And he goes, come with me, come with me. So he takes me into a room and beautiful padded room. He closes the door. It's just him and me. He goes, I understand you kickbox a lot. Come at me. Take my head off. <laughs> yeah. so, so I look at it. I said, you want me to put on a pair Send of gloves? Said the spider to the fly, yeah, right? Yeah, spider to the fly, exactly. And it, and I said, you want me to put on some gloves? He goes, no, let's have fun. Come at me. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. So I go how at him. How fun was that? This well, I threw my punches and I and like uh, thirty seconds later, he got underneath my punches. He took me down to the floor, or down to the mat, got me in a side choke. I'm starting to go out, and I and he starts saying tap, tap. Right? <laughs> so, so I tap, and I'm I'm like halfway out, and I'm looking at him, and and he remember he stri- he leans up. I'll never forget. He straightens his gi, and he goes, "See, isn't it nice not to <laughs> because, see? Isn't it nice not to get hit in the face?" And I'm like. You really got something there. Not only that, but you just threw 20 years of training out the door. That is <laughs> yeah. so funny. So funny. What so, a gracious bully. Uh, gracious. Yeah. What, what, a, what a kind bully. Oh, he's just he's a wonderful guy. He's, just, he's a super, super mm-hmm. guy. And then t- two years later, when the UFC came on the scene in 93, and I'm with my family watching the pay-per-view, and out comes the same guy. Right. Right? And he's got his arms on the back of his family members walking out to the octagon. And I look at my family and say, watch. See all these monsters? <laughs> this little guy is going to beat every single... He's going to take them all. He's going to take them all. That's so funny. And then yeah. he did. And that was, you know, that was it. Uh, Hoist and I still laugh about it when I see him. You wow. have some pretty epic stories with uh, different fighters. Speaking uh-huh. of that, uh, well, first, let me promote Twitter. I'm getting a nudge at my thigh here. I want to remind you guys to go to uh, iTunes and type in UFC After Buzz. Rate us. Tell your friends. Uh, listen to us because the more ratings we get, the more UFC stars we get in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> the more Bruce buffers we get. Hey, let me ask you this, Bruce. <clears throat> um, you've announced hundreds, thousands, mm-hmm. thousands, thousands of fights. Thousands. Um, so how it works is decision, judge's decision. Do you, are you the first person to get that? Mm-hmm. You know, okay. So you ever get a judge's decision? You look at it, you're like, in your mind, wow, that's that's that can't be right. Really? More, more times than I can. Wow, count. That, that, wow, that, that that can't be. Don't kill the messenger. <laughs> you know, I, I go out and and uh, I'm kind of torn because you know I built relationships with these men and now women coming into the scene, and 
I have personal feelings for a lot of them. I, I am an equal opportunity announcer. I don't take sides. People say, who's going to win? I say, may the best man win, and I truly mean that. But when you realize the backstories of some of these guys and, and what it means to them to win, the, 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 poor, the poor kid out of Brazil or right. the street kid out of a place in the U.S. or the U.K., you know, and then the family sitting there, and I meet the family. There's just so much at stake. And mm-hmm. then I see this lopsided decision, and I'm like, I've got to read this? You know, wow. But I got to go out and do my job. Is there anything that sticks out? Uh, I forgot more than I can remember. I'd have to sit here and go dry for a second to really remember. But uh, Danny Henderson's had a couple of recent bouts where mm-hmm. it's like, wait a minute, what, what were they yeah. watching here? What's going on? Uh, the Hendricks uh, George St. Pierre decision. Um, quite honestly, people say that you know George all this, but it could have gone either way, and I would have been fine announcing either way. Just because you have a bunch of welts and everything on your face, it doesn't mean you lost the fight. Right. You know, um, I'd have to really go back, but you, you guys know. Come on, you know right. the ones I know. <laughs> All the ones we yeah. talk about They're, where we, uh, yeah, judging we, becomes a conversation. Like a year ago, I think it was like Jamie Varner versus Movin Goulard. And as you're reading it, you're like, Jamie Varner, 30-27. Jamie Varner, 30-27. Movin Goulard, 30-27. I'm like, even Joe Rogan was like, how does that even happen? Hmm. Yeah, it's like, how does it? Uh, unbelievable. It's without mentioning any names. Amazing. I wouldn't want to be a judge, to be honest with you. You ever been tempted to go into job. business for yourself? You see this decision, like, nah, I don't like this. <laughs> you know who really won? <laughs> well, I would have to go into business for myself because I'd be out of a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would probably get you fired. If we, if they do a show, if the UFC does a show on April 1st, will you please promise to do that for at least one of those matches? <laughs> you can get away with it there. April 1st, April Fool's Day, you know? You obviously know Dana White and the Fertitta Brothers so well. <laughs> right, yeah. That's going to be their opinion after I do something like that. Touche. <laughs> um, talk about your own style, how it developed. I'm curious. Of course, you had Michael having his own style. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that you knew that you needed to do something different than be you. How did that evolve throughout the years, and especially seeing, you know, being with the UFC and seeing their evolution? You've kind of paralleled that, I would think. Yeah, um, they paid me really nice homage on the HBO special last night, as did Lorenzo Fertitta, and saying that my style helped them connect with the younger mm-hmm. thing. And I was blown away when I heard that, and and I'm very honored and humbled by it. Um, I knew that for me, I had to go out there and not rehearse. I never rehearse. Right. Uh, wow. No, I tried the 360 in my room before I went down mm-hmm. at the Mandalay Bay that night, mm-hmm. and I slipped twice. I tried it three times in the carpet, and I slipped twice. And, and you I, went out and did it. And I still went out and did it. because, wow. I, that, And I just don't like to rehearse. I want to be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to be – I studied improvisational training as an actor when I was a young kid. And I love the fact of, don't give me the script. Let me just react, okay. you know? And when I'm out there and I feel the energy off the crowd, and I'm so focused, you could be in the front row yelling at me. I'm not going to hear you. Right. All I see is the eye of the tiger in front of me. Uh-huh. These guys are like standing in front of the Kentucky Derby gate – when the snot and the spit's coming out and the horses are just waiting to get out. That's like what it is standing in front of these guys. Mm-hmm. And I get literally a foot away from their face at times, you know, when we're announcing or when yeah. I'm announcing them. And sometimes I'll go, wait a minute, I started over there and now I'm over here. Mm-hmm. It's like, it just blows me away. Hmm. Even when the 180 happened originally, that was a mistake. Yeah. I was moving around the octagon. I was looking right. at the red corner, and I was just about to say fighting, introducing first fighting out of the blue corner. Right. But as my left brain to my right brain was going, uh, you're screwing up here. You're over in the red corner. You're wow. staring at the red corner. What do you do? So I, I had a good spinning bottom fist 
and I literally threw into a spinning bonifice move. That is... <laughs> and I wound up over, like, a few feet to the back over to the blue corner. And right. then and the audience reacted, and I thought it was cool. And I thought, oh, there's something there. So I I kind of built that into what I used to call a whip turn, and the fans call the buffer 180, and right. there's the buffer 90, 45, and, of course, we've heard about the 360. There was a scene in a movie called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with Robert Redford and, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul Newman. And without dating all of us, but myself especially... Uh, they were shooting, target shooting. And Robert Redford couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Mm-hmm. And he looks at Newman because Newman kept telling him to aim. And he goes, can I move? Right? And then he moved. He hit everything he shot. <laughs> Dead center. That's the way my announcing is. Yeah. I got to move. I got to enjoy myself. I got to mm-hmm. throw my passion on the floor. I got to give the best performance I can give to entertain, hopefully lift the fighter and lift the fans beyond the excitement level they're at that moment. And that's honestly the way I look at it. And I am there to serve the fans. I am there to serve the fighters. The show is not about me, but it's not show business, it's show biz. And if I get a chance, I'm going to entertain you because I'm entertaining myself and having fun at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Just like leaving it all in the cage, having that, that great fight, win or lose. If your passion is out there, you get over with fans and they, they're entertained. Right? Absolutely. I don't know any other announcers that are literally sweating at the end of, of a night of work. Yeah. <laughs> I must say that the part before the fight starts when I start getting chills up my arms is when I hear you say we are live and you go into your whole thing and it's just like oh my god the energy in here is so fierce yeah I've said that so hard sometimes I've actually got stars coming in I have to like collect myself oh yeah I'm sure you do I mean you really put it all out there and I could imagine it's it's like a therapeutic thing for you it's a very cathartic therapeutic experience and you know I'm wondering when I go where I'm gonna go I guess being the surfer in me I'm thinking it'd be cool to be taken out with a like by a great white shark, or maybe I'll go, it's time, and then, (laughs) (laughs) oh, the first death in the octagon, it's Bruce Buffer, the announcer. Knock on wood, let's not. (laughs) Has there been um, other uh, sports uh, entities that have tried to contact you and work for them? Oh, Oh, yeah, God, yes. Do you do arm wrestling? I do uh, the Ultimate uh, Arm Wrestling League, uh, the UAL. They're they're beer pong, yeah. very popular beer coming pong. up. Beer pong. So the World Series of Beer Pong. I was the voice of that for a while. The Washington Redskins put me on the Videotron. I did a big thing for them in a green screen that they played before kickoff. Hmm. I've had uh, high school football teams, basketball teams. Um, I do a lot of weddings. You know, really? Get walking down here. the aisle of love forever, wow. presenting. You know, I did a I did a baby's birth the other month. Coming out now. <laughs> Just oh, keeping that so in mind, cool. Bruce. Nice. Well, then I offer this on. You, you can go to bufferzone.net and contact my office for the site, and uh, I get these requests. And I've been paid a lot of money for the weddings, but I don't want to gouge people. It's their special day, right? Yeah. Right. Like Saturday, I was just down. I just did Michael Bisbig's wedding. I, oh, I, of course. I can actually really? marry you, but I was there physically because I'm a friend of Michael's. Right. Me. I had so much fun bringing the wedding party in. It was it was a gas, and that is so cool. to hear how happy they are and to be part mm-hmm. of their special day. You know, listen, I'll always cash the paycheck. I'm the first one, of the day. <laughs> right? Yep. Right. But it's not always about the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. It's about experience. Mm-hmm. It's about loving and living life. And and I'm a very unselfish person with the people around me. I like to help people make money, be happy. You know, I'm a giver. You know, so I can get you for about fifty bucks, right? 
two months from now, we're good. I'm a taker. I'm a taker. We, <laughs> we, we got them the cupcakes. Can we, we wager do. these yeah, cupcakes? Yeah, those are mo- money green cupcakes. I tell you what, guys. There's a fiver in each one if you eat them, Bruce. Just saying. Don't worry. That if you ever need anything, just, just without without giving anything away to whoever's watching and listening, you can always call me for whatever you need. That's all right. Is I that, really don't. I, is that all? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, we wink, got I don't think she's going to say yes to me anyway. So. Okay. I do have a question though. What what has made you stay with the UFC? Because a lot of these companies would throw a lot of money at you. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to the point, the point of the show where I bring up the wrestling aspect. Okay. Um, knowing your brother mm-hmm. worked for WCW, knowing Maria here works for WWE, and mm-hmm. I know that WWE will throw a lot of money for someone they want. Sure. Um, what has made you want to stay and not take the money elsewhere and go to baseball or football or uh, boxing? Or- well, I can go to football. I can go to – I can do all these things. What I not do contractually is another mixed martial arts event. Okay. Oh, okay. That is my, my choosing and the offering of my powers that be who I am loyal to, tremendously respect, and love working for, which is Dana White, Lorenzo, and Frank Bertita, and the team that's all there. I am a very loyal person. I've been offered – much more money by other fighting organizations to work for them. I get paid quite well. I'm not complaining wow. about a thing. But like I said, it's not always about the money. And in business and marketing, I wanted to follow my passion. I fought to become the Octagon announcer. Mm-hmm. Mm. I got it. I fought to keep that job. There's 5,000 or more people, if not 50,000 guys and maybe some girls out there that are waiting for me to drop dead so they can get the job. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's cool. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um... My loyalty to Dana, my loyalty to Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta, the care and the teamwork we created in the last 14 years that we worked mm-hmm. together, that I don't want to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to retire out of the octagon as far as the fighting world. Right. I don't want to go work for any other organization. It's not Most of them are not managed and run as well as this. Uh, they have an amazing business acumen. And all we've done is seen other companies come and go, losing $55 million, $50 million, trying to be the UFC. Well, you know what? This is the first time I've seen a sport created and gone to mainstream, the fruition and the generation and the gestation of the sport. I'm honored to have a first-class seat on that locomotive with them driving at the front of the bus or front of the of the train, and we're going uphill, yeah. and I'm sitting back, relaxing, yeah. and having a great time. You, you were you were a part of this ride, a part of this journey. Yeah, why would why I want to leave something? I, I actually, Absolutely. in my own little part, we all did we all do our own mm-hmm. part in this company. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Rogan, you know, even Ariani's an Octagon girl. I mean, we're all there to do our part, mm-hmm. and I love the team. Mm-hmm. I want to stay with the team. Um, I can do football. I can do baseball. I can make TV shows. I can make film and movies. I do all this. But they've got you so darn busy anyway. Yeah, speaking about first-class tickets, with UFC running multiple shows a year now, how many airline miles do you have? A lot. <laughs> oh, my God. A lot. <laughs> More and than any of us combined. I, so what's your favorite airport? Uh, actually, in the United States, my favorite airport is Dallas. Oh, okay. That's a good it's an amazing okay. airport. I've been to Dallas Airport. Been to Dallas. Beautiful. It's such clean, a beautiful place. Right? Yeah, clean, clean city. beautiful. Heathrow Airport in London is amazing. Okay. Yeah, there's there's some great... You better learn to like your airports. Mm-hmm. Let me mm-hmm. What's your favorite airline? We allowed to do that. Uh, any 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 Asian airline, they're all amazing. Really? Any Asian airline, uh, including Malaysia Airlines. Yeah, Malaysia. Well, I know about Malaysia. <laughs> I haven't flown them. EVA Airlines is great. Uh, the Filipino Airlines, okay. they're, they're they're awesome. And you know, I, I can go on and on and on. But I've done so much flying. The novelty of flying has worn off. 
Okay. Uh, just give me a nice, comfortable chair and right. uh, some good movies and a couple mm-hmm. of gin and tonics, and I'm a happy guy. Gin and tonic. Now what's the, we know. What's the craziest traveling schedule you've had? Craziest schedule I ever had, and uh, right off the bat, is when I was doing a show in uh, New Jersey, in uh, Atlantic City, uh, at the Ravel Casino, and I had to be in Rio de Janeiro uh, for a show that began 18 hours later. <laughs> wow. How do I get there? Right? So I told... I went to Lorenzo. I said, Lorenzo... I." Take the paycheck and put it towards the gas. Get me there. Please, get me there. I don't want to miss a show. Hmm. He goes, Buff, don't worry about it. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. It was all arranged. I left uh, on a private out of Atlantic City, got down to Rio de Janeiro, slept on the plane. Two hours later, back in the octagon. I did two shows in two hemispheres and two continents in less than 24 hours. I felt like a rock star. That is awesome. awesome. Beat that, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is awesome. That was awesome. You know, there's there's so many travel experiences I can tell you. Curious, um, especially between that and the new schedule. Um, how do you tell us how you keep uh, you tend to your voice? How you keep it uh, fresh well, for it? Don't abuse it. Yeah, you know right. I'm not a smoker. Um, yeah. I uh, have fun like anybody else. I enjoy myself. I'm also very healthy. I'm an athletic guy, and I've always washed myself. And mm-hmm. uh, like I was kidding with you earlier, I'm 57. I still got a four and a half pack. So you know it's like. <laughs> But I, I do enjoy my life. Yeah. Um, right. But anything just, like honey and tea? Oh, yeah. Lemon? Oh, that, that's one of my secrets at the table. I talk about it in the book uh, in this one little section you know, about what I do during the day. But you'll see a jar beside me, which is a mm. cup or whatever. There's honey in there. Mm. Because you, when during the fights, you take a little tablespoon or a teaspoon, and it coats the vocal cords. And yeah. outside of that, Ricola's and, and yeah. uh, Hall's Mentholiptus. Give me my check, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's it. Interesting. Oh, now, I used to be sore after announcing because yeah. I would bring so much. I was like a yeller. I was a <laughs> screamer. Now, I've learned to bring it from, over the years, to bring it from the diaphragm in the chest like mm. a singer does. Okay. And to be able to modulate and do it much better. And, you know, I'll do another. I'll do two shows a night. I'm sure I, there's... I just, I'm just crazy. I'm a workhorse. I People, <laughs> I mean, I laugh at myself sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But that's fun. Sure. Yeah. You can't laugh Absolutely. at yourself. How can you laugh at anybody else, right? Right. you got to have fun in life. Yeah. Yeah. What about for afterwards? I don't mean to, to take over, but I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. Like the, the future, is there uh, – talk about like a, a protege that you have in mind or is there anybody no. else that you – no? No. I had to learn myself. You're going to leave them hanging after you get done, your last wine. But sorry, Dana. Good luck. Oh, I would never leave, <laughs> I would never leave them in the cold like that. And, mm-hmm. you, know, I, you know, everybody's expendable. Yeah. And would it be different? I would like to say and hope that it would be. Um, would somebody else come in and people get used to that person? I'm sure they would. Uh but as long as I can stand out in memory as being exciting and, and always bringing 150% and being respected for what I do um, and respected as a human being for the type of person I am, then I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But to take a protege, like I, I've been offered uh, like the next great announcer TV show. I mm-hmm. turn it down. I'm not interested. I've been offered a reality show about my life and Michael's life and our working together. I'm, I'm not interested. I don't want people to know my private life. My private life is my private life. It's hard enough. Sure. It's hard enough in this day and age with all this technology to have a private life. Right. And, uh, you know, most people are willing to whore themselves out for money because they want to become famous overnight. That's not me. I don't Mm -hmm. need that. Yeah. Um, But all I can say is is that uh, I want to do the best job I can. I want to make enough, financially speaking, not just for myself, but when when I know that all the people I love will never have to worry about anything the rest of their lives, then I'm happy. That's a good idea. I put them before I put me. It's just the way I am. 
and seeing, that's my goal. Seeing that you've been with the UFC for so long, you've seen the the evolution of the UFC mm-hmm. from small smoke filled arenas to, you know, Staples Center, you know, O2 Arena in London, you know, Rio, and you know, talks of possibly one day running um, the stadium in Dallas. Where do you see the UFC going in the next you know few years? Because there is a, a a fight pass network now, and there are multiple versions of Ultimate Fighter and pay per views each year. Mm-hmm. What do you see? You know, what do you see next? What I see him going is I see him. Uh, well, first off, Dallas will be incredible. There's no question. But the moment I walk out of Madison Square Garden, that's, that's gonna what be, I was going to say. MSG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At MSG, that's going to be the epitome of the top of the mountain for us here in yeah. the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, we will grow here, um, and more fans are coming on. I think the recent study is 76% of males in America, 18 to 34, are fans of the UFC, which is a wow. ridiculously high percentage. More than football, you said, more right? than, That's more than Noam City sport. That's insane. So that's insane to be one of the key faces of the sport and to be able to have that marketplace to build right. and, and create other avenues of ventures for my own career is insane, and I love every second of it. My mind's constantly creating and working. Um then you're going to see them conquering and building in other countries the way that they conquered and built here, right. getting into a mainstream flow, facing the same difficulties and, and perception as reality issues that they will face in other countries. But, you know, they're going uh, they're going back to Germany now on May 31st. I wish I was doing that Berlin show, but I'll be in my beloved Brazil, which is fine. Um, there, there's two two UFCs on the same day. Yeah. Wow. There's like 49 or so shows, and, and seven of them are on the same day. So I cannot do every show this year, and I've come to grips with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, right. They know. They know that if I'm free, I will be there. I could leave and have one hour break between shows and another. I will be there. It's just the kind of animal I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm the one that's had to accept that I have to accept not being there for some No, right. Shows. You want to be there. Absolutely. So the one that's having the hardest time with that is me because it's not because of the paycheck. It's be- Well, that's nice too. It's because <laughs> of my love for what I do. I hope people listening and watching out there can have an experience in life to have an endeavor like I'm sure you're experiencing in your endeavor mm-hmm. here um, to be able to be passionately involved, excited waking up. It's not about going to work. It's called a lifestyle. You're living right. your life. Now, if you can make money and pay your bills at that, well, that's nirvana. Yep. Right. You know, and, and have respect and work around people you enjoy. I wish everybody out there could have that experience. I really Absolutely. do. It's a charmed yeah. life. With all these crazy schedules and traveling halfway around the, the world to get to an event in the same day, have you ever messed up a knee? Yeah. Really? Less than this many times. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple funny ones. Okay, tell me. One night I turn around and I'm announcing the ref and, and there's Mario Yamasaki, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking him right in the eye and I'm all intense for my announcing and I'm like, and your referee in charge of the octagon is Herb D. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Whoa. There was okay. no better mess up than Mario Yamasaki to Herb D. To Herb D. Yeah. That, that made it funny. And then last <laughs> year, a data came up to me afterwards. He goes, Buff, you never screw up. But that was funny. And it was Pat Bam Bam <laughs> Healy and Jim Miller. Oh, yeah. And I was doing my cards for the next fight. And I looked up, and he rolled off, and there was a reddish beard. They both had reddish beards. They both look alike. That's not a mess up. That's just a pickle. Well, <laughs> it was. <laughs> but, and I said, and, you know, the winner is uh, Jim. And I realized, uh, Pat Bam Bam Healy. Wow. You know? oh, and Pat, Pat turned around to me like, well, had that WTF look, you know? Yep. And, and it's like, oh, okay. And Ooh. I'll give you one more um, 
Uh, oh, I came out one time during the uh, co-main event, and I said it was the main event of the evening. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it turned out to be the best fight of the night and was historically one of the greatest fights of the okay. year. So, that I mean, hey, maybe I'm a soothsayer. I, yeah, it was maybe, last year. I was gonna say, it was like I April of last year. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when Dana came up to me, and he, and he cracked up, you know. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm only human, guys. Yeah. I mean, I love working live. It's great. Well, and the passion and the fun and the energy inside yeah. the octagon more than makes up for it. You yeah, know? I, I better I enjoy it. I won't be able to fly around and do thirty. I'm doing thirty-seven shows. I won't be able to do that. I, how can I enjoy myself doing that? I'd just be right. for the paycheck, and I'd be miserable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, that's a lot to say for a career. I hope we can all find that in our careers. Please. I hope so too. I I actually do motivational speaking where I teach and uh, consult branding and marketing to companies, and and I get into this, and and I I try to instill this thought process I feel it yeah when you're talking to us I feel the inspiration I feel the motivation from you Mm -hmm. so rightfully so yay yay (laughs) I just want to say once again happy birthday thank you thank you so much for coming on with us tonight we really enjoyed it it's been a pleasure Uh, did you want to get any plugs in did you want to I have my podcast weekly which is a lifestyles podcast it's basically sex drugs rock and roll and we talk UFC and why didn't we uh, talk about that today I I know where did that go we'll go on your podcast (laughs) anytime Sammy Phillips comes on our mutual Mm -hmm. friend and we have uh, guys were calling me for dating advice I have this perception by some fans and I guess because I've never been married I've almost been divorced twice but um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, so they started calling in, and I thought, you know what? Let's just focus the show on this. I brought in Sammy. We have the SNR show called The Sex and Relationship Show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do that uh, sometimes once a month, and I, I just fun. like to have fun. Great. I just like to be a positive influence on people's lives as I strive to have positive influence on me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, you guys, you heard it. You can check out his book. You can check him out on Twitter Thank at you. Bruce Buffer. Very simple. Jay? Oh, one more thing. Ooh, oh, one oh, more oh, thing, oh, one more oh, thing. Oh. <laughs> and Take story it away, come, man. Here's something more. Yeah. <laughs> um, my clothing company, It's Time Clothing, will be okay. online and up and mm. running in about uh, the next month or so. And they showed it on the show last night. Part mm-hmm. of the thing. I'm very excited about that. And Very cool. Yeah, it's story. time clothing. Just Good. Building you are building. known for your sense of style, so I understand why people would want to check out It's Time Clothing. Thank you. Folks, uh, the University of MMA takes place, uh, when is it? June Sunday, June 1st. June 1st. Thank oh you. God. It's only my show. <laughs> Down at Club Nokia, the best amateur MMA in Southern California. Please come check it out. Tickets are available at uofmma.com. Mom, they only had pistachio. They didn't have butter pecan, so I hope that's okay. Me personally, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ghermosa. Follow me on Instagram at ghermosa. I'm still on MySpace. So if you guys want to hit me up on MySpace too, I'm there too. Wow. Nobody else is. I know. I'm in AOL <laughs> chat rooms, but follow me at Raven1220. Get Bruce's book, and I believe Maria has a book, so just buy all the books. <laughs> you can follow me at on Twitter at DariaB28 or check out my website, DariaRay.com. Guys, we will be back for a second show this week, May 25th. Uh, to talk about UFC 173, Dillashaw versus Clarence. I have one question. Sure. Is Maria single? Oh! <laughs> Depends nope. on nope. your definition of it. Well, we I, I, I would love to meet Maria. I'm just telling you Can that right now. Maria. We'll work out something because since you do beer pong, we've challenged every other show in a beer pong tournament. Get we'll me in the, here. We'll give you the info. I, I'll give so, you a freebie. I would like to meet Maria. We'll just leave it at that. Why don't you do <laughs> we'll it? I find her fascinating. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan leave. of hers. I'm a fan why of hers. You You're introducing not the only. Maria Menounos. What was that? Do, can you do an introducing Maria Menounos? Introducing one of the most beautiful women to ever set foot in stage and screen in California and the world. The gorgeous... 
Maria Menuno. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce Buffer. <laughs> okay, after buzzers, That's we will see you on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.